On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Giga Mexico is on an accelerated timeline with a new report suggesting that the next generation Tesla could be released sooner than you think. Plus, the Model S and X each get another price cut and a new paint color, a Cybertruck design patent gets granted, and more. friends, Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 397 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for March 12th, 2023. And it has been such an incredibly busy week of Tesla news that I got to jump right in with some quick hits to start things off. So I want to start here. There was one small but notable thing from the Investor Day presentation last week that I had meant to mention but forgot to. And it came during the talk by Tesla's head of global charging infrastructure, Rebecca Tanucci. So it was she who mentioned the first V4 superchargers, which I did talk about last week. But anyway, one of the slides that she had on the screen showed a Model S Plaid in an open garage. And on the wall of this garage was a rather large Tesla wall charger, except it wasn't a traditional charger. Extending down from this strange design was a long wire that went not to the end of a cable that you plug into the charge port of the car, but down into a pad located underneath the back of the Model S in the photo, and actually think it's probably a render, not, not an actual photograph, but in any case, yes, a wireless charging pad for your car. Now, in the past, these have been known for inefficiency. It's not that they don't exist. It's that people like Tesla haven't gone to them because they have been shown to have a lot of efficiency losses, charging losses. In other words, more power is needed to provide the same amount of charge to your Tesla that a regular wired wall connector would give you. So perhaps Tesla has cracked that or at least narrowed the gap between the two significantly enough that they're now seemingly getting ready to bring a product to market. Personally, I don't think I would be interested in this, seeing as how this new wall unit, this wireless charging unit, would still need to be professionally installed by, a, by an electrician. Everything needs to be mounted to the wall and hooked up properly. The only thing this would really be saving you from is accidentally forgetting to plug in your car, which by the way, I have done. Every now and again, I've done it and it and it has annoyed me the next day. So I will say this is, a wireless charging pad is not an insignificant benefit. I guess in the end, I suppose the price of this accessory will dictate a big chunk of what my final opinion ends up being about it in the end. Hopefully we'll see it soon if Tesla decided to just straight up have it on the screen during a big public presentation. Next up this week, as expected when I mentioned it last week, the first batch of Autopilot Hardware 4 cars have indeed been delivered. They've been Model Xs so far. And unfortunately, there are not any new cameras, any additional cameras on these cars 
nor are they in any new positions. They are simply higher resolution cameras. So sadly, I mean, I'm bummed out by this, you know, after that, that great report from Green the Only that I talked about last week, but he caveated it and I had to caveat it too. You know, he, he said he was making his best guesses based on the hardware for computer that he had in his, in his possession, but the reality did not end up playing out quite the way we hoped it would. I mean, again, he is always cautious to, to not say things as absolute fact, and that's why I think I was careful to make that distinction on last week's podcast as well. In any event, though, am I disappointed that there aren't any cameras, particularly on the front bumper of the cars now? Yeah, I am disappointed about that. I still think it needs better visibility at the very front edge, front edge of the car in order to be decidedly better than a human at driving. And I'm hardly the only person to say that. Noted FSD beta tester Chuck Cook, he of Chuck's left turn fame, Chuck said the same thing a number of times in his videos. So now all we can do really is wait to see how Hardware 4 performs over the coming weeks and months, as well as how long it ends up taking for the Model 3 and the Model Y to get it. It did not end up debuting in the Cybertruck, after all. The X and presumably S are getting it first, and the Cybertruck will get it here in another three, four months whenever the first production Cybertruck ends up rolling off that production line in Austin. One other quick hit this week before I get to the news proper. This is this is the news before the news, but FSD Beta 11.3.1 which specifically mentions the over-the-air recall, went out to Tesla employees early in the week, and then in the middle of the week, it went out to the first group of external testers, people like Chuck Cook. So that hopefully means that the NHTSA recall has been satisfied because it is, again, it's specifically called out in the release notes. So hopefully NHTSA will be satisfied with this. And then if testing goes well, we'll start to see it in our cars in another week or two at the most, the, meaning our cars, meaning the rest of us in the FSD beta. I mean, we are currently, as I can recall it, in the year and change that I've been in the program, we're in one of the longest stretches we've ever gone between FSD beta updates. Now, again, obviously the NHTSA situation did not help matters with that, uh, so we'll see. It's uh, it's getting closer though. Elon did say this on Twitter, quote, V11 is a major step change improvement. It still needs another point release of polish before rolling out wide. So I suppose that means we'll get 11.4 if that one's deemed good to go. And it'll probably be another week, maybe two before the rest of us get it. Although as we've seen in the past, sometimes it's longer, but if they're at this point with 11.3.1, where the employees have it, the first wave of external testers have it, that is hopefully a good sign. All right, before I get to this week's, the rest of this week's news, I just wanted to mention this week's ludicrous tier and higher bonus mini episode on my Patreon. For those of you kind enough to support my efforts here with the podcast on Patreon, which you can do on my Patreon page located at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. 
The weekly bonus mini-episode this week, I call them the lightning round mini-episodes. This week it was about the three things that I think the Generation 3 cars need, and two things that I think they don't need. And you might be surprised. I know this is a really, this sounds really clickbaity, right? But I tried to have fun with this. I think it's, you might be surprised at the two things that I say that I think it doesn't need. So if you'd like to hear that, as well as all of the other 36, yeah, I think this was the 37th of these lightning round mini episodes that are on Patreon. Uh, You can back me on Patreon. Uh, Hopefully you get enough out of this podcast every week where maybe you hear this and go, you know what? Yes, Ryan, it's time. You have earned my support. I'm going to jump on Patreon and I'm going to support you. So the ludicrous tier for that bonus mini episode, that's the $10 a month tier, which also gets you early access to each week's episode as well. So it gets you both of those perks. And uh, the good news too, if you want to do an annual pledge rather than the traditional just month to month, if you do the annual, so you're paying once for 12 months of support, you get a 10% discount. That is increased now. It was 5%. Now it is a 10% discount if you do that annual pledge. So patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. All right. Time for the rest of this week's news. The stories only get bigger from here. I will start with this. The Model S and Model X have each received another price cut. This time, it's another $5,000 off of both the base Model S and the Model S Plaid. And on the X, it's $10,000 off of each version, the base X and the Plaid X. That brings us to base prices of $90,000 for the Model S, $100,000 base price for the X, and then $110,000 each for the Plaid S or Plaid X. Yes, you heard that correctly. The Plaid S and Plaid X cost the same. So this, to me, suggests that Tesla is not getting a lot of buyers Uh, of the Model X specifically to bite on the Plaid, at least relative to the ratio of Model S buyers who decide to opt for the Plaid. And honestly, that does make sense. The S is and has always been a sports car that just happens to have four doors. The Model X, on the other hand, is really first and foremost a family hauler, a people mover. It stands to reason that fewer people buying that car are gonna wanna pay more for less range. Although to Tesla's credit, the difference over the years now, the difference now is it's gotten a lot smaller here on the Palladium platform, AKA the, the present, the new SNX, that's the code name for their platform. It's 348 miles of range for a base Model X versus 333 for a Plaid X, which, you know, that's only, I had to do the math, that's only about a 5% range hit if you're keeping the wheels the same. Now, sure, the Plaid X has a heck of a lot more power. You are getting something, obviously, for your money. But are you really looking to blow away Corvettes when the light turns green when you've got your kids in the back of the X? Maybe sometimes, but maybe, maybe not often, and maybe, you know, maybe not both parents necessarily. So anyway, relatively speaking now, the Plaid X is a good deal. Just again, relative to the Plaid S and really not relative to anything else. 
But if I'm being honest, as I always try to be, I still think the Model X overall is too much money. It's too expensive compared to the Model Y, particularly after those big recent Model Y price cuts. In my humble opinion, and please, Model X owners out there, I mean no offense here when I say this. In my opinion, the Model Y is about 75% as much car in terms of what you get and what you, you know, 75% as much car as a Model X for 50% of the price. So for me, when you just, when you compare it Tesla to Tesla, SUV to SUV, it just, the X doesn't quite have as strong of an argument uh, to it as, as the Model Y does for me. Now, I, that said, I don't personally think that the same argument quite applies to the S versus the three. And the reason I say that is because the cargo volume Delta is huge between those two cars. Because of course the S has the hatchback and the three has their traditional trunk. So you're getting a ton more cargo space in the, uh, in the Model S versus the Model 3 in addition to the performance, in addition to the, the much, much nicer interior and additional features, the air suspension, all, all those kinds of things. So I think the gap is wider between the S and the 3 than it is between the X and the Y. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I would love to see the S and the X, but particularly the X, each get down another $10,000 or so in price. They've both been there before, prior to the refresh, and in fact, even right at the beginning of the refresh, you could get a Model S, the new Model S for 80 grand, right at the beginning. And so, to me, if we were to get back to that, the a 400 mile Model S at $80,000 and a 348 mile Model X for say 90, although honestly, I think 85K would really move the needle on the X. I think those numbers would look a lot better to cross shopping buyers. So we'll see how this price cut goes and if any additional price cuts could be coming. Now, I decided, well, why not? Why just give my opinion on this? I wanted to hear what you guys had to say, so I made this the topic of this week's Patreon poll. I gave you the Patreon website uh, a few minutes ago. Anybody can vote in the poll. You don't have to be backing me on Patreon. You can just go, and as long as you've got a Patreon account, which is free to sign up for, you can go ahead and vote in my weekly polls, which generally go up on Tuesday evenings. So again, the poll question this week, what do you think is the right base price for the Model S and the Model X? Thank you to everybody who voted. 56% of you said both prices are too high. Tesla should bring them down further. 29% of you voted both prices now feel right to me after these price cuts that I just told you about. 7% of you said the Model S price is too high, but the X price feels right. Conversely, just 1% said the X price is too high, but the S price feels right. 4% saying both prices are too low. These cars are a steal at their current prices. And 4% voting for the just show me the results option of the poll. 
Uh, and thank you to everybody who took the time to comment on this as well. Uh, Kevin Wong saying, I don't think it's good to fluctuate the pricing with large swings. Sure, you control demand, but you piss off a lot of previous owners who purchased at a higher price. And then you also need to make sure you have the different segments for pro- uh, the different segments for product differentiating. So there's one good comment there. Thanks to all of you who visited my Patreon to participate in that poll. However, that wasn't all of the action on the Model S and Model X this week. There was more good news in addition to price cuts. The S and the X, and yes, just the S and the X, not the three and the Y, also got a new paint color. Say hello to Ultra Red, which is replacing multi-coat red for the S and the X, and it costs $3,000 as a paint option, which is $1,000 more than what multi-coat red had uh, been priced at. Now, I wanted to start here, actually. I found out about this when I woke up to a text from a Tesla friend of mine who sent me a screenshot of the internal communication on this, and it says this, We are excited to announce the launch of Ultra Red, an exclusive new color for Model S and Model X. As the first new color for Model S and Model X in nine years, Ultra Red is a deep, intense red that accentuates the sleek body lines on Model S and Model X. Funny thing about that, though, is I think Tesla is selling themselves a little short on that. Now, there's, there's a couple arguments I could make here. I'll give them both to you, because if you want to dismiss one of them, I don't think you can dismiss them both. Titanium Silver Metallic. Now, if you're not familiar with that color, because it's been, it's been discontinued for a while now, that is, it's a champagne-ish color. That's how I describe it. That was introduced back in 2015, and you could both, there are S's and X's running around with that color. But, okay, I'll say, well, maybe, maybe Tesla's not counting that in this ultra red communication that they sent out to their employees because titanium silver metallic was discontinued within two years. And as I said, it's been gone for a while now. But again, even if you want to dismiss that one, you got to look at the blue that we have now, just blue metallic, which replaced the original super dark blue that my cousin Pat, rest in peace, adored on his Model S. He told me, because he wanted, I've told you this before, but he wanted a performance Model Y. Uh, And unfortunately, it just never, he, he ran out of time. But he told me, I was like, yeah, we could trade in, you know, trade in your, your S and, you know, you get a decent little down payment. He's like, oh no, I'm, I'm, even though he was a single man, no, he has to live by himself. He's like, no, I'm, I'm never getting rid of my Model S. I love that blue. I love that paint color. So I, I will always, I will always think of Pat when I think of the original dark blue. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. The blue that we have now, which again, replaced that super dark blue that my cousin Pat had, just as Ultra Red is replacing Multicoat Red for the S and the X, that blue was introduced in 2015. So that was a replacement blue, just as this is a replacement red. So you gotta count that one. So like I said, Tesla's selling themselves a little bit short here. Um, Anyway... Quicksilver, Midnight Cherry Red, if you're thinking about those. Obviously, those are not being counted here 
because we're talking specifically about the S and the X, not the Y. So the cool part is the S and the X are only built in one place, and it's right here, just about 45 minutes from me at the Fremont factory, which means no matter where in the world you live, if you order, if you want this ultra red, well, you're going to get it because the S and the X are only made in one factory. So that's cool. Now, let me, let me say this. If you want to either pause the podcast or, or grab your phone while you're listening, there is a picture of Ultra Red on my Instagram page. A, a little te- a Tesla birdie friend sent it to me, and it's a Model X. You can see it on my Instagram page, and, and I'm DMC underscore Ryan on Instagram. Now, I will caveat, I did not take the picture. Again, a friend sent it. So I say that because it, it, I, it is to say... I still have not seen it in person yet, sort of. It turns out, I think I actually have. So I record here, of course, late Friday nights. Last weekend, I think I saw it because I was going south on the freeway out of San Francisco and coming up the opposite direction, going north, no doubt towards the port of San Francisco to ship out. There was a car carrier full of Model S's and Model X's coming north from the factory to the port. And I see this a lot. This is a regular occurrence here in the the greater San Francisco Bay Area because, well, Tesla never stops. They're a 24-7 operation. There are always cars being shipped out as as the factory produces them. So it's not an abnormal thing for me to see car carriers of newly built Teslas going one way or the other. Uh, typically, again, north, because they're going to the port on, on the freeway. But in this one, so and I, I, what I'm saying there is I don't like stop and really stare anymore because I see it pretty often. But I always notice it, of course, because I see a car carrier and it's just full of Teslas. And I'm in my head, I go, yes, go find your new owners and make them happy. But out of the corner of my eye, so I, I was just, you know, on autopilot going down the freeway and out of the corner of my eye, I see this car carrier with S's and X's. And again, just a quick glimpse, corner of my eye before the, tr- the the car carrier's gone the other way and I'm continuing south. And it just, it registered in my brain. I was like, wait a second. That red looked different. Like it just, it just looked, it just flagged in my brain because I'm, I'm so, I mean, I'm so used to seeing, I stare at multi-coat red all the time. That's what I have on my Model 3. So I'm used to seeing it on an extraordinarily regular basis. And so I kind of, I just dismissed the thought. I was like, oh, well, must've just been the lighting or whatever. But no, I realize now that it must've been a batch of ultra red Teslas, ultra red S's and X's. Anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them really up close, really in person. Now in the picture that I posted on my Instagram, it was sadly taken on a cloudy day because that's basically all we've had here lately. I will say this, my my take on it is not uh, dissimilar from a lot of folks' take in the Tesla community. It is a subtle difference in terms of the shade of red, but it is a shade darker. It's nowhere near, uh, it's definitely nowhere near signature red, which is a bit more of a maroon, a burgundy. It's nowhere near Midnight Cherry Red, which is a more of a purple, purplish red. What it's actually most reminiscent of, and again, I'm not the only one to comment that, to say this, it reminds me 
of Mazda's absolutely gorgeous Soul Red. That is what this thing reminds me of, and it's what a lot of people are comparing it to. And that's a good thing to be compared to because a lot of people, I mean, paint colors, of course, are so subjective. Your, you know, my favorite color could be your absolute hideous least favorite color on a car. So to each their own on that. But I think Soul Red from Mazda, probably generally regarded as the nicest red you can get on an affordable car. Let's put that adjective, that caveat in front, because certainly Ferrari Red is a thing of beauty. But, you know, you, you, you gotta, that's like a 200 plus thousand dollar minimum buy-in. As far as affordable cars, common everyday cars, Soul Red is pretty darn sweet. And I mean, I'll be honest, I like Soul Red better than the multi-coat red on my Tesla. I, I like my multi-coat red, don't get me wrong, but I do think Soul Red is nicer. And I think this ultra red now uh, again, even just from pictures and the little promotional video that Tesla put up on their Twitter page, it is beautiful. Uh, it's it's really it's it is a step above uh, the kilowatts. My friend Ryan uh, and and the, his crew there, they went out hunting at the Tesla factory in Fremont and found one sitting in the parking lot, just the public parking lot. They didn't do any trespassing or anything, and they got a picture of it. So, like next to a multi-coat red Model Y, so you can you can get a look at them side by side. Again, not with your own eyes in a picture, which is the the next best thing. But uh, it is it is really nice. If I could order it, I sure would. It to me, I will sum it up this way. I think this ultra red for me. Again, noting that paint color is subjective, it is a leveled up version of multi-coat red. I would absolutely order it right now if I could. If I had the money to order a Plaid S, I'd be very, very tempted to do that right now because you could get ultra red with the red brake calipers are finally on the the Plaids as they should have been from the beginning. You got, uh, of course, the Steam gaming capability in there, the tilting screen functionalities finally in the new S and the new X. Oh, and there's one other improvement in the new S as well. Uh, besides the introduction of ultra red paint. Tesla noting on their Twitter saying, quote, the glass roof now weighs less and lets in five times more light, but with the same level of UV protection. This also improves handling as it helps lower the center of gravity. So uh, pretty cool. More, you know, just continued evolution, continued changes on both the S and the X, although more specifically here on the S. Final thoughts on on Ultra Red. And you may be thinking, Ryan, boy, you are, only you, Ryan, could do like a 10-minute segment on a new paint color. And you're absolutely right. I just, I love little design details like this. They just, they're of interest to me. They matter to me. Anyway, my final thoughts here. Number one, This does make me wonder if the Model S and Model X are lagging in demand a little bit. Price cuts and now a new paint color also, plus the incentives that they've been offering recently to existing S and X owners to try and get them to trade in their cars for a new S or X specifically. So I think 
Again, I don't know for sure. I don't have access to Tesla's data, but it's a reasonable hypothesis at this point. And my second final thought is that I know it's still, sadly, years away, but if Tesla is getting a newer, better quality paint color in Fremont right now, it gives me hope that they're going to be able to do justice to the new next-gen Tesla Roadsters and the, no doubt, ultra-high paint quality uh, and paint jobs and the unique colors that those quarter-million-dollar-plus supercars are going to demand. Next story this week, as we are almost 30 minutes into the show already, plenty to talk about. Tesla is aiming to start construction on its new factory in Mexico later this month. Yes, March 2023, as it is already awaiting final permits and could start building its first vehicles at the plant as soon as early 2024, officials said. Yes, this is straight from them. I saw this story on Tesla Rati, who uh, originally sourced it from Reuters, and Tesla Rati summed it up as such. Tesla is already awaiting approval of the project and the awarding of final permits, Nuevo León Governor Samuel Garcia said, according to Reuters. Quote, they are waiting for the final permits. Once that's done, they can start, hopefully, this very month in March. I think by next year, in 2024, there will be the first autos. Now, I guess I gotta stop. I gotta stop right there as I read through the actual quote and put a little more thought processing into this. They didn't say in one year, uh, although there was, I guess where this is coming from is that at the investor day last week, there was a quote, I believe from Tom Zhu, who said they'd hope to get Giga Mexico online even quicker than they got Giga Shanghai, which took about 11, 10, 11 months. So I guess, all right, we can still maybe think T minus 12 months, but in any case, it's coming soon. That's the point here. Uh, Tesla will spend $5 billion to build the plant, but is expected to invest a total of 10 billion while having up to 10,000 employees at the plant. There were some concerns regarding the availability of energy or water in the region. However, Jesus Nava, the mayor of Santa Catarina, where the plant will be, said the issues never presented a risk to the company's potential presence in Mexico. Well, as optimistic as I want to get about this, I think it's important to remember that just because Tesla said they will build the Generation 3 platform cars at Giga Mexico, it doesn't mean they will only build the Gen 3 platform cars there. And it doesn't necessarily mean they'd start with the Gen 3 cars. If they can be operational in a year's time from right now, March of 2024, it's entirely possible that they might just start building Model Y there and then begin production on the Gen 3 cars later once the first one of them, or unless they both go into production at the same time, the sedan, compact sedan or compact crossover SUV, whichever one's ready to go first goes into production. However, let's get super optimistic here. What if it does mean that the Generation 3 platform is going into production in roughly a year from now? It would mean that Tesla has learned its lessons from the past of announcing cars too early and setting themselves up to be their own worst enemy as their customers wait for the next Tesla 
instead of buying the one that the company is currently selling. This happened with the Model 3, which impacted the S sales, and it's arguably happening again now with the Cybertruck potentially holding up S and or X sales. You know, what we were just talking about. So if we really are a year away from the start of generation three vehicle production, which would mean that by virtue of the Cybertruck starting production later this summer, it would mean that Tesla would launch two vehicles within a year of each other, which they've never done, I guess, well, maybe they have. Unless we want to count the Tesla Semi going into production in December of 2022 and the Cybertruck starting production, hopefully about seven to nine months later as we wait for that now. Anyway, back on topic. If we really are a year away from the start of the Generation 3 cars, what I would love to see happen is for Tesla to wait to have the actual unveiling event where they show the car, take reservations, give the specs, give the pricing details, all that stuff. I'd love to see them wait until the last possible moment that they can, which would probably be right before they have to start road testing alpha or beta versions of the car that would just be on public roads and get photographed anyway. So maybe like six months beforehand as a, as a decent time frame. Thus, if we're going to go with my hypothesis here for a second, or at least my, my wish, that would put a possible reveal in September or so of this year, six months from now. So that way, if that were to happen, people could put down their money and the lucky folks at the front of the line, however Tesla decides that, can get their cars within a year of putting down their reservation. So far, the Model Y is the record holder for the shortest amount of time that anyone has spent on the reservation list for a Tesla if they reserved on day one. The Model Y unveiling was in March of 2019, and then production started exactly one year later in March of 2020. So think about this as this is the final, final thought here. It will be pretty wild if some of you listening to this right now are driving a Tesla that none of us have ever seen as of yet in roughly 12 to 14 months from now. That's pretty crazy to think about. Next up this week, good no uh, news if you like the aero wheel covers on the Cybertruck. I saw this via Tesla insider Sawyer Merritt who tweeted, Tesla was granted a design patent for its Cybertruck wheel design. The design patent's good for 15 years and Sawyer linked to the actual government website that has the patent filing. And as Sawyer wisely notes, just because they got the patent, it's not a guarantee that these aero wheel covers are going to go into production. However, I believe it is highly likely they will, such that I would be willing to bet my $100 Cybertruck reservation on it. That's how confident I am in this. Here are my reasons why. First, look at the tires. These are custom-made tires by Goodyear. For the Cybertruck, they've got the custom sidewall pattern that exactly complement these wheel covers. And they've these tires have been on every prototype Cybertruck we've ever seen. 
So clearly, again, Tesla's partnered with Goodyear here, who is gonna be the exclusive supplier of Cybertruck tires. The second reason that I'm confident in this is because options on the Cybertruck period are likely to be pretty minimal, just given A, Tesla's propensity for minimizing choices in the design studio, and B, the insane order backlog and the production ramp that they have to go through. Tesla has a lot of product that they need to produce. So I honestly don't think the Cybertruck will even have a second wheel option. Second tire option? Sure, like all-terrain tire choice versus all-seasons, you know, regular road tire choice. Yeah, you'll probably have that choice. But I don't think, I think all the wheels are going to be the same. I do not think there will be a choice of wheels on the Cybertruck. And I, I just, again, they're all going to be rolling out of the factory, I think, with, this, with the same wheels and those same aero covers. But we already know, like the Model 3 aero wheel covers and the Model Y Gemini wheel covers, you will be able to take these aero covers off of your Cybertruck if you want to. So bear that in mind. And then the third reason that I'm confident in this the cleaned up beta Cybertruck that was on display at Investor Day last week, the one that appears pretty darn final, as I described to you in detail last week, as I said, it had these covers. So I would say, adding all of that up, these are incredibly likely to go to production. And uh, by the way, just as some additional evidence that these are in fact gonna be on your Cybertruck, just for a little historical context, Tesla also had patents on all three wheel designs that we saw on the original Model 3 prototypes. And all three of those wheel designs went into production. Two of them, right from launch, the sport wheels and the aero wheels. And the third one, the Uber turbines, came later. So history suggests that these Cybertruck aero wheel covers are indeed the real deal. Well, the next topic I have for you is sadly, and in fact, the final news story, I hate to end on a grim note, but this is worth passing along. Unfortunately, as we all know, progress in society, forward progress, it's not always linear. And if you wanna buy a Tesla in Mississippi, you are currently being subjected to the non-linearity uh, of of progress right now, the two steps back portion of progress that we see from time to time. Another tip of the cap to Tesla Roddy who wrote this up. House Bill 401 in Mississippi is controversial. If it does get signed into law, electric vehicle makers like Tesla, Rivian, and Lucid would be mandated to sell their vehicles through a franchised dealership. Following a nearly two hour debate among lawmakers, House Bill 401 passed through the Senate by a vote of 38 to 14. The bill is now on its way to Governor Tate Reeves' desk. In a statement to WJTV 21 News, State Senator Jeremy England noted that the bill is simply bad policy. Well, I guess we can guess that uh, Jeremy was one of the 14 that, <laughs> that voted against. He also stated that with the bill in place, Mississippi is sending the wrong message. This could result in the state losing out on what could be lucrative investments. Quote, 
we're telling the electric vehicle makers who use a different sales model that their sales model is not acceptable in Mississippi. If you have to go to a middleman and go to a dealership, you can already count on a 5% increase in cost tacked on just for the middleman on that. Quote, I believe we're sending the wrong message. I think we're telling them, look, we're going to do things the old way here in Mississippi. Good luck in the other states. They're going to start selling their vehicles there and we're going to miss out on it. That is the extent of Mr. England's quote. Supporters of the bill have noted that it would ensure that all car makers play by the same rules, regardless of their respective business models. I'm going to interject here for a second and note that there's nothing stopping Ford or any of the legacy automakers from just opening Ford stores and cutting out the middleman themselves. Anyway, back to the story. Uh, Quote, I think we took a step backwards in legislation. It's another quote from Mr. England. Uh, I think we took a step backwards with this legislation today. In Nevada, they're an open model state. They allow direct sales from electric vehicle manufacturers. They just saw a $3.4 billion investment by a battery company in the state of Nevada. Fortunately, Tesla's lone store in Brandon, Mississippi, will be allowed to operate even if House Bill 401 is passed into law. Well, uh, perhaps by the time you hear this, it will have been signed into law. I confess I am not well-versed enough in Mississippi state politics or, in fact, their governor's own policies and positions on electric vehicles. And unfortunately, I have to also say, nor am I aware of any potential ties that he may personally have to the state's dealer associations. And again, I'm not saying that with any accusation. I'm just saying in the present reality of politics, that is a fair thing to wonder. But anyway, uh, all that is to say that I can't give you a confident prediction as to which way this is going to go. But if it's a party line thing, then it's probably going to go get signed into law. But while it may seem like it's too late with the bill headed to the governor's desk, I would nevertheless encourage any of my Mississippi listeners to call, to email, to send a respectful letter to the governor's office respectfully, voicing your disapproval of this measure. As always, I encourage you to be polite, but give your valid reasons, because guess what? It won't be difficult on this one to appeal to logic. You'll have that on your side. And as far as I know, that's really all that you or I can do here in the near term on this. So to my listeners in Mississippi, who I don't want to assume, but I'm going to I'm going to say there's a pretty good chance that any of you who live in Mississippi that are listening to me right now are probably hoping that this does not pass to you. I say good luck. Good luck to the entire state of Mississippi on this. Hopefully, Tesla's future there will not be held back by this anti-consumer legislation, nor anyone else's, Rivian, Lucid, etc. All right, that's everything I've got for you in, as promised, a very busy week of Tesla news. But stay tuned. I've got some of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls queued up and ready to go right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. 
Thank you, Franz. It is time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your time to call in and be a part of this podcast, which I welcome and invite you to do. There are two easy ways to participate. You can call in with your question via the built-in voice recording software on your smartphone. To do that, just record the question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number that you can dial anytime, and that number is 1-888-989-TSLA. That's 1-888-989-8752. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted like I do with them or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with new listener Alec from California. Hi, Ryan. This is Alec from California. I'm a new listener and greatly appreciate the work you do and the community you have created. Um, I'm a new Model 3 owner since 2019, and my brother just received his brand new 2023 Model Y. I'm sure you can imagine his frustration to find out that his new car does not have USS, and therefore he does not have access to several autopilot features that he paid for. Um, I know the original plan was for Tesla to roll out an update with Tesla Vision, but it seems like that is not happening anymore. I'm not sure if this question has come up before on your podcast, but do you know what Tesla's plan is for those who took ownership of a Tesla without USS? Is there a plan to retrofit, retrofit them with sensors in the future? Thank you for your time, and thank you all that you do. Alec, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for your call. Well, let me get the bad news out of the way. There is no immediate solution here. Unfortunately, Tesla will update the USS-less fleet when they are ready to. That could be next week, next month, or I don't even want to say next year. But sadly, history shows that Tesla tends to just jump out of the plane on this stuff and build the parachute on the way down. We saw it with the switch from Autopilot Hardware 1 to the in-house developed Hardware 2, we saw it when they switched from radar to just vision only, and we are seeing it again now. My optimism that this will be resolved sooner rather than later, though, comes primarily from the fact that the highest volume cars are affected by this, the Model 3 and the Model Y, meaning every single day, literally thousands of new customers are added to the list here, and potentially many new unhappy customers who are justifiably upset over not getting the features and functionality that they paid for. So, sadly, all we can do is wait and see, but hopefully there will be good news on this soon. Alex in Minnesota is up next. Hi, Ryan. It's Alex here in Minnesota. Say, I wanted to call in to ask a question I've been pondering this winter, especially with the recent leaks and discussion of FSD Hardware 4. I have heard a lot about how many cameras there might be, where they are placed, and potentially a radar system of some sort, but it strikes me that FSD won't truly be able to replicate uh, someone's driving ability unless there are also gyroscopic sensors hooked up to the computer and fed into the computer model of the world. 
I know Elon has said in the past that vision is all that's needed for the car to be able to make decisions. But as a driver in wintertime, especially when we get a lot of snow here in Minnesota, feeling how much friction or lack thereof under my tires is actually part of being a good driver. Not sliding past stop signs, for example, or going around turns inappropriately fast. To put it in computer engineering terms, sliding around on the road is actually a feature, not a bug, of safe driving when it is snowing icy on the roads. Teenage kids here uh, are told to go practice uh, learning how to drive by doing donuts on the local ice-filled parking lot or outdoor ice rink so that they can get a sense of how to handle spin-out safely and how generally the the change in the car's momentum due to low friction has to be handled. There have been days at a time during uh, some of our recent snowfalls, like up to 72 hours, that this kind of low friction road environment is the norm for drivers here. And it would strike me as silly that whatever the final FSD product is like after the beta wouldn't be able to handle snow and ice on the roads. So anyway, I hope this comment might reach any uh, Tesla FSD engineers out there listening. And my wife and I are incredibly excited to take delivery of a Model Y here by the end of March. Thanks for what you do, Ryan. Alex, excellent call here. Great point. You know, it's educational to me because I don't drive in those conditions here in Northern California. I will say that there's a more immediate question of whether or not FSD, even on hardware four, will work in the snow since the car often can't see the lane lines. Hopefully the new HD radar is going to help with that. But I hadn't thought about the traction piece of it. So great food for thought here that I hope slash trust the autopilot team has taken into account. Thank you for your call and congratulations on that upcoming Model Y delivery. Next up is Steve from Laguna Hills with a fact check for me, something I was wondering from a couple of episodes ago. Hey Ryan, a bit of an answer on your comment about California EVs and the high occupancy lane. Period. So, now we have 2025 coming, and that's when California is sunsetting this program. When I got my new Model S in 2022, I bought the stickers, and instead of having the four years they used to have, now it only has three. September 2025 is the end of the program, and it will go back to I often see cars only, no EV single driver. 2025 it is. Thank you very much, Steve. You have taught me something new, which as I like to say, and it's true, I always appreciate that. So I guess the policymakers in California were at least smart enough to see that the end was nigh with the HOV lane and access by clean clean, uh, fuel vehicles. And we've got two and a half years left. I guess it's a good problem to have in the grand scheme of things. Cheers, Steve. Uh, One more call this week. It comes from Will in New Jersey. Hi, Ryan. This is Will from New Jersey. I'm calling with a question regarding the full self-driving beta. I'm considering subscribing to FSD for a month to test things out for myself uh, when version 11 rolls out to the entire fleet. My question is, Do you know if I subscribe, will I definitely be given access to the FSD beta, or is it possible I'm only given access to to features like summon, auto park, and auto lane change? I appreciate your time, and I appreciate everything you do for the, uh, the Tesla community. Thank you. Hi, Will. You would indeed get the whole kit and caboodle for as long as you're subscribing. It's the same package, just paid for in a different way. 
But unfortunately, as you heard me mention at the top of the podcast, the FSD beta rollout is still on pause. Talked about that last week and got the update on it. At least some good news today you heard me talk about at the beginning of the show. Tesla sorting out the seemingly has the fix that NHTSA requires. So I would say you can hold off on that one month subscription for the time being. And hopefully on the next one, two, maybe three episodes at the most, I'll have some good news for when that FSD beta spice has resumed flowing. Thank you, Will. Thanks to everybody who kindly took the time to call in to be a part of the podcast. Again, I welcome and invite you to do so. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of the segment. So give me a call anytime and you may be featured on an upcoming episode. But Ride the Lightning is not yet done for this week. I've got your pro tip of the week and more coming up right after this. As for what's going on with me and my car, the new tires that I ordered will be installed at the end of this coming week. So uh, I'll reset my little one of my trip meters in my car so I can super accurately track exactly uh, how many miles are on this set of tires. And then I'll use one of the other trip meters for to track tire rotations because I'm going to be vigilant about getting my tires rotated to try and prolong the life of the tires. The other thing I noticed going on with my car, it's the most minor thing seemingly, but I noticed in a parking garage and I've since noticed it's just going on all the time. It's, it's not intermittent. I must have what sounds like a squeaky wheel bearing or something. And I think it sounds like it's coming from one of the rear wheels because as I just roll the car forward at low speed, I can hear just this continuous little squeak going. So I guess next time it's in for service for something, I'll have to have them take a look at it and grease some bearing or something up again to hopefully get rid of the somewhat annoying little squeak. Anyway, how about an entertainment recommendation for this week? Well, I've been burned by this show twice and it's back for third season, the most promising season, and I'm watching it Maybe it's Stockholm Syndrome at this point. I don't know. But Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. I love Star Trek The Next Generation. That is my personal Star Trek, my favorite. And I love Picard uh, particularly. The first two seasons of the show have been promising before really getting pretty terrible as a, and just doing, doing the, the character very wrong, I feel. So the beginning, we're a few episodes into season three here, which is the final season, and they've got most of the original next-gen cast on board for it. And I won't give anything away, but I'm just, I'm kind of just like waiting for the, for it to go bad after the first two seasons that also started kind of strong and then ended up in the case of the first season, just completely biffing the landing and season two got bad and stayed bad pretty quick, but it got real bad at the end. So we'll see. I'm still optimistic. It's nice to, it's nice to see some of the familiar faces coming in, but I want to love this show so much, but I am watching it. If you're curious to check it out yourself on uh, Paramount plus Star Trek Picard. How about a pro tip of the week? Something that we can all agree is good. And it comes this week from Mike in Toronto. Hi, Ryan. It's Mike calling from Toronto with a pro tip. 
Uh, I have a refreshed Model S uh, to which I had a trailer hitch and kit added. All was going well in the installation until the mechanics came out from the back shop scratching their heads. Uh, They had realized that there wasn't a typical 12-volt accessory battery to connect to. In fact, the accessory battery in the the refreshed S, and I suspect some of the other cars now, uh, operates uh, in the 18-volt range, uh, not the 12-volt, which was a problem. Um, After two days of gnashing of teeth and research and discussions, I figured out a workaround, and we've tested it. It works just great, and that is to... um, uh, tap power from the old-style cigarette lighter electrical socket at the bottom rear of the center console, possibly located at a different place in the other models. Uh, the shop uh, ran cables in there uh, under the carpet and uh, put a you know like a cigarette lighter you know tape uh, plug on it. And I've done several thousand miles with it now, and it works great. I hope this saves people some time and frustration. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for this, Mike. I think this is as much of a Tesla life hack as much as it is a pro tip, which means it's perfect for this segment. I appreciate your call, and I am glad to hear that this is working well for you. If anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please give me a call. You can call in with these the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls that I told you about a little while ago. All right, before I roll out, some friends of the podcast that can perhaps be of use to you. I start with abstractocean.com. I've got the page pulled up because I wanted to give some specific examples here. Just on their best sellers list. So these guys, abstractocean.com, tons of great aftermarket Tesla accessories. I want to point out a few here. Protective armrest cover. So if like me, you've got the white interior, you could do a matching white armrest cover that'll match the seats. I think that's pretty cool. That's 40 bucks. This would be of interest, certainly to me now here in uh, another crazy rainy stretch here in Northern California, super hydrophobic camera cover, rear camera cover for Model 3 and Model Y, 30 bucks. It's basically a little kind of cover housing. So, you know, you won't, you won't get the water droplets like staying on the, the, the camera lens and thus making it so you can't really see through the, the backup camera. So that's pretty cool. They've got Model Y floor mats, automatic phone dash mount, the tempered glass screen protectors. I, I've mentioned a lot the, the multicolor front and rear footwell lights. You can, you can choose whatever color you want down there. There's so much going on. AbstractOcean.com. They've got stuff for all four Teslas. And the reason that I mentioned them here is because they are kind enough to offer all of you a nice discount as Ride the Lightning listeners. Pile everything you like into your online shopping cart. And then when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST, to get 15% off of your first order. Next up, the Snap Plate, also available for all four of the currently in-production Teslas, S, 3X, and Y. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. That's the front license plate bracket that looks real nice. It's minimalist. It snaps on and off in seconds. If you do want to take it off, and even just when you're putting it on, it goes on quickly. It leaves no unsightly hardware behind when it's removed. 
you can put it on for car or put it, take it off for car shows and detailing your car, put it back on. If you're going to be going through a toll road, a bridge, you're going to be parking at a parking meter, etc. So get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. If you either want a front license plate on your Tesla or if your state law requires it. BudgetSafeSolar.com. Again, uh, speaking specifically to the California friends out there for a second, the California Public Utility Commission has approved NEM 3.0 making batteries a necessity. And generally, as Budget Safe Solar notes with these kinds of things, as goes California, so goes the country. If you have solar or are considering solar, let Budget Safe Solar add energy storage to your system. In fact, Tesla is now selling the Powerwall by itself again. They weren't for the last three, four years or so. So you can now add that to your system if you want to go with Budget Safe Solar. I'm sure, like me, you'll try Tesla Solar. But if it doesn't work out for you, as it did not for me, go to BudgetSafeSolar.com and they will give you some personal attention. They'll work with you on designing the best system for your home or business. And if you do go through with it, please use the referral code RTL. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, the website IRDetailing.com, Instagram, handle there is Immaculate underscore Reflections, Yelp page is yelp.com slash Immaculate Reflections. Immaculate Reflections is such a wonderful detailer. Jeff McGovern is the name of the owner and master detailer there. I guarantee you, I actually genuinely guarantee you that you will leave very satisfied. Your car will look amazing. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating. Maybe you want to do paint protection film on some of the car or all of the car. Maybe you want to do paint correction to get the paint finish itself looking as good as it possibly can. Maybe you want to do two of those or all three of those. Whatever the case may be, if you and your car are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, look them up, check them out, irdetailing.com. And that's how you can get in touch with Jeff through that website. And when you do, make sure to mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and there is a nice little discount waiting for you if you do book a detailing service. Uh, Let's see, puretesla.com slash RTL. 49 bucks shipped free in the US gets you the 128 gigabyte micro SD based USB dash cam and sentry mode kit. It really couldn't be easier. And the reason I recommend this over the USB flash drive that Tesla includes with your car is because flash memory, and I've actually experienced this myself in my own car, the flash memory just doesn't tend to hold up under the constant reading and writing and reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode need to do. Micro SD will hold up. So I I genuinely recommend this Get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. If 128 gigabytes is not enough for you, there is a 256 gigabyte kit for $69, still shipped free anywhere in the US, or you can order either of those for a modest shipping fee if if you're shipping internationally. Comes fully formatted out of the package, ready to go. Works with Mac or PC. Get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. RTL. I mentioned the Patreon at the top of the podcast, but real quick again, that is the way through through which you can voluntarily choose to support me here on the podcast. 
The show is free each and every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. But as I hope comes across in when you listen to it, a lot of effort and time and research and love and enthusiasm does go into this podcast each and every single week. I've got the receipts going back to 2015. I've been here every week for you. I take a lot of pride in that. I think it's really important because if I don't show up every week, why should you, right? So if I'm I'm here for you and hopefully at some point in time, maybe it's today, you decide, yes, Ryan, today's the day. I'm gonna support you on Patreon. Again, those Patreon support tiers start at just five bucks a month. Five bucks a month, you can support me. And in return, you'll get early access to each week's show. That $10 a month tier gets you the early access each week and that weekly bonus lightning round mini episode that I do exclusively for that $10 tier and up on Patreon. Uh, there are higher tiers and the pack, the perks all stack. Try to con- switch those two words in my brain. But uh, take a look, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or both if you want. It's the same handle on both, DMC underscore Ryan, echoing back to my DeLorean days. And uh, if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, which is a free thing that you just do on any of the major podcast services, I recommend you do that. That way you don't have to remember to go get the show each week. If you subscribe, it will just get pushed out to you every time there's a new episode every Sunday. So you can subscribe on most of the big podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or audio only on YouTube. You'll be staring at a logo, a Ride the Lightning logo, but I am on YouTube if it's just easier for you to keep a a tab open with YouTube and listen to the show that way. You can just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You should find my channel real quick and you can hit that subscribe button on there as well. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to the upper tier Patreon backers who are extra generous to me each and every month. Let me start with the Roadster in Space tier crew this week. Thank you so much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Nydig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Carol Weston. In fact, a number of the Roadster in Space tier backers turned up at the uh, monthly Patreon Zoom hangout this that I did last weekend as I record this now, which the Maximum Plaid and higher folks are invited to every single month. And anybody who makes a new pledge or upgrades their pledge gets a one-time thank you invite to that uh, monthly hangout. We had a really great, in fact, we went five minutes over last week because it was it was just such a good conversation. If, uh, if you are eligible for that, if you're at the maximum plaid tier or higher and you couldn't make it, the audio recording of it is on Patreon for you on my Patreon page, so check that out. Uh, And the Maximum Plaid backers, let me thank them now. Thank you so much, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, 
Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, ContactOneCallCenter.com, and Jason Chalukas. Finally, thank you so much to the Plaid backers who are grandfathered in. Plaid, the Plaid tier is no more, but these folks very generously continue to support me at that tier and as such continue to get all the perks that they are due, including the weekly shout out, which I will do right now. Thank you to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Thanks to all of you backing me on Patreon at any tier. Your support does genuinely make a positive difference in my life, in my family's life, which includes these two doggos that flank me now. Uh, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time. Your time is extremely valuable. You've spent another hour plus of it with me here listening to another week of Ride the Lightning, another week in the world of Tesla. I appreciate it. I do not take your time and attention for granted. I try to be uh, very respectful of it and treat it with the value that it deserves because it is very, very valuable. Thank you all so much. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.